0: Hey, welcome to The Weekly. This is your host, Thomas. I'm here with my co-host, Jay Ewing. This is where we're connecting what happened in our weekend services to your real life lived Monday through Friday. Jay, how are you doing on this snowy Tuesday?
1: My friend, life is good. Life is good. How are you doing? You've been on vacation in California.
0: Oh man, we've been visiting family out in California. It was 80 degrees. Yeah. And then we stepped off the plane, and it was minus
1: 80 degrees. <laughs> hey, man, it, it's just great to have you back. How many days in California were you on the beach? Uh, we went to the beach every day. That is amazing. Yeah. That's a good life, my friend. It is a good life. That I live a, a very good life. good life. Yeah, totally. It was fun
0: to listen to the podcast last couple of weeks while I was in California.
1: Yeah, you were like, those guys have no clue how to host no it was great (laughs) because
0: someone i can't remember who it was saying is important to you know be healthy and to find rest yeah and i was like check
1: i'm doing it right (laughs) now
0: but no i mean in reality we we did school every morning Mm -hmm. because hey school's online so you can do it wherever so we did school every morning and then we would see family in the evenings and we had the afternoons to hang out on on the beach
1: oh man i'm so glad you got away that's really important how much did you feel like this last year just got released and off your chest from vacation. Mm, it's still there. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you're saying. <laughs> Never mind. I,
0: yeah, I think you know when when they are uh, a lot of small griefs mm-hmm. that add up, and then large griefs that you share with people. It's hard to have them come off right in a
1: week. Right. But cool, soon. man. Well, I'm so glad you got to spend that time with your family. Seemed like y'all had a great time. We had a great time. Came back, celebrated our oldest
0: birthday. She turned 11. And then we had membership class. I know.
1: Membership was great this week. It was first membership class in Thornton. Yeah, on, on the, the
0: Thornton campus. That building is beautiful, by the way. Oh, man, that room is gorgeous. It is.
1: So it's agreeable gray on the sidewalls. Chip lap on the stage with white
0: yeah chip and jojo did a really nice job <laughs> they did he called gary and angie osborne did yeah. a great job but think about all those volunteers that helped build out the building in the last six months it looks beautiful
1: it's it, the work is incredible
0: but it was fun we got to step back into a membership class you and i got to both be keynote speakers right with and pastor tom and tom gary, and gary
1: yeah. up there yeah it was and fun. we
0: brought in 19 new people some who are with us presently in the room, or present with us in the room, and then some on Zoom. But 19 new, new members at yeah. Calvary Bible
1: Church in the midst of COVID. God has just been super faithful, man. And we haven't stopped doing ministry. That's one of the things I just love talking about, is that um, God's still moving, still working, still bringing people to Calvary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's membership where people are convinced that they see the mission and the vision of Calvary and say, I want in on that. I want to help accomplish what God has um, given Calvary to make disciples, empower leaders, multiply churches, um, building Christ-centered communities of people fully devoted to loving God and loving others. The beginning of that whole process is actually starting point. Right. right and, where someone checks out Calvary for the first time and wants to learn a little bit more about us. And that's coming up.
1: Oh, man, that is a great segue. You've, you've been on vacation. You're fresh. That was a great segue. Thank you. Hey, November, uh, starting point is coming. So if you want to check out who Calvary is, meet the staff, meet the specific staff on the campus you are attending. Go to calvarybible.com slash starting point. Sign up today. Middle of November is going to be a great time for you to jump in to hear what God's been up to for 131 years here at Calvary, but more what he's been up to even in this last season and we get to meet you you get to meet us it's a wonderful time hey going back to membership okay i think membership is the best class we teach at calvary bible church
0: it's one of my favorites
1: yeah it's just it's so robust so deep so fun the conversation is just a great refresher on like what we do around here who, what we believe who we are what's god forming us and i love that good i'm glad you do Okay, so we've been in Acts 18 uh, this last week. Tom was up, and we have officially arrived in Corinth. Uh, Corinth is a, an incredible town, has a steep history that Tom shared. What did you take away, Thomas, from uh, this last week, and what would your home group talk about, and what y'all ponder?
0: You know, we pondered several things in Acts 18 that kind of hit home for us we're talking about the church, we're talking about the fellowship, we're talking about obedience, we're talking about God's presence and his power, all those things. Um, I think first we started with this partnership, this idea of we don't go at it alone. And you know, just in the text, you see Paul arriving with partners right. and then developing new partnerships.
1: There's a lot of names in a very short text.
0: Yeah, if you are having a baby soon, uh, a COVID baby, then you want to go to Acts 18 and just look at some possible
1: names. (laughs) That's great. I didn't know where you're going with that. That's so
0: good, man. Baby names are in Acts 18. Yeah, a lot of great baby names. But two of them, Priscilla and Aquila. Jay, remind us, who is Priscilla and Aquila?
1: Yeah, Priscilla and Aquila are these great men and women. So they're a married couple. Um, We don't know what age they are, but they continue to pop up in the New Testament through... Uh, just sort of the other epistles along with uh, Paul's writing. So Romans 16, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 Timothy 4, uh, their names continue to partner with Paul in the gospel. And so I I like to put a little narrative on Priscilla and Aquila. This is extra biblical narrative, but I see them as hopping in their U-Haul, not their U-Haul, their RV um, during vacation mode time and traveling to visit Paul or, churches that he has set up to sort of um check in, be a partner with Paul. So I see them using their vacation time because they're the same uh they're sort of in the same industry as Paul. They're tip makers. And that's how they meet actually in Corinth, this text. So I see them just uh great friends of Paul wanna support him in his ministry, what Jesus is doing, um, in the Roman world. And so they give up some of their time to Uh, travel.
0: They have a great business for that in the first century is their tent makers. And so probably arriving in Corinth during these Isthmian games, um, people are also traveled and need their tents repaired or other things that are um, needed in the area with sales on boats or whatever. And their industry, along with Paul's, is able to be packed up, traveled next town and implemented.
1: Yeah. So Corinth is sort of like Tom was saying, it's two seaports just from side to side to it, So there's a lot of opportunity for them to travel, travel quickly, travel inexpensively. Um, So unlike someone coming from like the middle of nowhere, like Berea or, um, you know, other parts of the Roman world, they could probably hop on a boat pretty quick, travel, get home. So they're probably, uh, Cosmopolitan is that name, right? Or, you know, that that sort of flair of individual who actually, um, unlike many of the first century, could do this really quickly.
0: You know, living in Corinth would probably be similar to living in a city like Boulder today, right? Or like Las Vegas, or somewhere where people want to travel to. That's kind of a notable city, has some influence. Um, people take you know their pride in in being a Corinthian, being a Boulderite, or from Colorado, and so you have a lot of transient populations coming through. Opportunity to meet new people, make new connections, relationships. Yeah,
1: people to stay at your house so you can like make friends and then you can visit their house later on.
0: Yeah. That, that's probably the earliest form of Airbnb
1: was in <laughs> Corinth. Yeah. I see Corinth like um, the modern day sort of San Francisco, very secular in the sense of uh, it's belief. Um, very cosmopolitan. I keep using that word, but it sort of just ex- explains what's going on there. Very educated, uh, very um, influential of different beliefs because it's a very transient type of San Francisco, you visit there, you never want to live there, you know what I mean? And But it's by the ocean, so uh, you have plenty of opportunities for the world to come through that port.
0: Yeah, which is a strategic place for Paul to visit and want to start a church.
1: Yeah, but he also, he was very scared of actually Corinth, or not very scared, I said he was very hesitant, I should say, of Corinth. It seemed like he knew he could possibly get into some trouble there, sort of interestingly enough.
0: Yeah, and God definitely has to step in and encourage Paul in his ministry to remind him of his power and his presence.
1: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I was reading 18 last week, and I was like, oh, yeah, there's some red letters here, which my Bible has red letters, and red letters in a Bible usually indicate Jesus' own words. Um, and so Jesus gives them a vision. So one of the questions I have for you, Thomas, is does God still use visions? I was just wondering on your take on that.
0: So, um, it is cool to see Red Letter show up in Acts several places. Because remember, Acts is the actions, the continued action of the ministry of Jesus Christ. So, remember Luke is the author of both the Gospel of Luke and the historical account of Acts. And the first episode, or first Gospel of Luke is what Jesus began to do and all that he taught. And then what he continued to do in, in Acts. So, it's the continued work of Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the disciples, through the followers of Jesus. And Jesus often shows up, the Holy Spirit shows up to direct the apostles in their work. So I guess the question, do visions still happen today? Visions are missionary focused. So it's God's missionary voice to draw people to um, other people groups, other missions, other towns. Uh, When I talk to many of my missionary friends overseas, international missions, going to places um, that, like Bangladesh or Tanzania, um, that really don't have a, a good pervasive church presence. Um, there's a lot of people talking about visions visions of, I've met Jesus Christ. Um, he has revealed himself to me. That's why I'm a Christian. I think um, it's not the normative. Right. You know, uh, what's probably more normative for us today, more than a vision, is that we have our personal Bibles. Remember that during this day, they might see a vision here and there. For select people to continue the missionary vision or um, work. But for today, like we have personal Bibles in our own language and probably 12 of them at our house, right? Because we had to have one for the study teen NIV Bible, and then you need the ESV Bible study, whatever. But God's word, his revelation in his own words is in my language um, of what he's called me to do, what he's instructed me to do, what he's reminded me that, of who he is. And so I, I need probably less of, you know, visions to show up and remind me of what it means to be a missionary here in the States because I have God's living, breathing, active word right here at my fingertips.
1: Yeah, that reminds me of uh, good friends of mine who have been missionaries in unreached people groups in the Middle East for years. They eventually came stateside due to health reasons. But now he spends his time on Facebook ads specifically targeted to Muslims during Ramadan in the Middle East. And what happens is the majority of Muslims who come to know Jesus uh, happen during Ramadan. Did you know that? I did not know that. It's because, one, they're spiritually seeking. Obviously, they're fasting. They're abstaining. They're spiritually focused. And the majority of them... um, those who come to know Jesus have some type of vision or supernatural work that Jesus intervenes to catch their attention. And so he's on Facebook giving ads for the gospel in a Muslim language, um, in Arabic during Ramadan. And actually when they click, he's in a conversation with them in a chat box. And so he's seen great fruit from um, not only Christians in the States praying during Ramadan for Muslims to come to know Christ, but just sort of like you're saying, it's a missionary type moment when visions do happen for people.
0: Yeah, and it's important. I mean, that what if if you were to evaluate a a vision from someone, right? It will always affirm what is written in the scriptures. That's right. And of it, who Jesus is, of what God has called him to do, of the works of repentance, all of that will be affirmed because of they're they're, they're from the
1: same God. Yeah, and if someone has one there's usually a partner who helps interpret that vision, especially um, those who are far away from God. So like I think of Paul even on the road to Damascus, right? Um, He had to have someone come help share the gospel to him after his vision. So that's just a a great little side note for everyday live life. You know, they're not going to happen. And let me say it this way. They're rare that they happen in our lives. But like you said, we have God's word, which documents his visions right. to people. Right, his spoken word, his living, active
0: spoken word to us. We should be really excited to get into uh, God's word. So this, this vision that is recorded for us to Paul in Corinth uh, was actually found in verse 9. It says, the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and not, do not be silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you or harm you for I have many in this city who are my people.
1: Yeah. So you sort of had a sort of idea of how to break down what's happening here in this text. And you said partnership with the first one, God's control. So in this vision, we see God's control. How do you see God's control play out while Paul is in Corinth?
0: So remember Corinth is kind of a, a rambunctious city. And Paul has gone over to the synagogue, has really been rejected there. And as Tom pointed out, he's going to now turn his ministry to the Gentile world. The sheep from another flock have to be included. And so uh, there needs to be some reassurance that God is still with Paul and that God is still working um, in Paul. And so God, I think, speaks directly to Paul to encourage him that he doesn't need to lose heart, that in the city of Corinth, there are still many who belong to him. And I, I view this as... God reminding Paul that it's not his job to go into a city and try to convince people, like with persuasive arguments, um, but with demonstrations of God's power to gather sheep. And so here God reminds Paul hey, listen, you're an instrument, you're an ambassador, but your role is simply to go gather those sheep of mine, go gather the children who belong to me in the city. And as you go on speaking, my sheep who know my voice will hear my voice through you and will be gathered together. And so there's this confidence that God gives to Paul. says, listen, I'm, I'm still in control here. I'm still the sovereign God over Corinth. And I'm present with you. And so you just have to be obedient. Be faithful to what I've called you to do. And I will continue to do my great work, which is gathering my sheep from amongst these cities into churches so that they can know me, be instructed by me, be saved. You know, I was... When, I was in California this last week. There was a house being built in the neighborhood of Kristen's family. And so I was down there talking to one of the, the contractors. And we just took a conversation about the house. And I used to be a home builder in California as well. And so we were talking about some of the difficulties with the city and permitting. And just during the conversation, I could tell there was something in him that, that must be of faith. wasn't really sure. And so I really wanted to know if he was a Christian. Um, so I started steering the conversation towards things of spiritual matters and eventually just said hey are you, are you a christian do you attend church anywhere and he said yeah i'm a christian not attending anywhere right now and we started talking about things of the lord and then we started talking about problems that he's facing in his family struggles with health and some other things and um eventually it had its grip to just to pray with him pray for his his family and some medical stuff but um the conversation eventually got to this place where we just said kind of collectively you know as a christian you either have to believe that god is in control and that he is present or you don't. And if you could not just theologically believe it, but start living that, start living out your belief that God is in control and that he's present with you. That will fundamentally change your life. And this is one of those conversations of taking what happened on the weekend service, talking about, you know, Paul being reminded of God's in control here and God is present with you. Tom took us through several instances where God reminds his fellow workers that he is present with him. And I think that we have to be reminded of that too. Where do, do, do we lose sight of that I mean do do we really believe next week do we believe next week that God is in control he's the one that sets up kings takes down kings um, that he, he's present with us like in our circumstances right now with whatever we're facing do we actively live as though God was control and present in my life
1: yeah what does that individual look like on a like a really practical level are they surprised by news from the doctor are they I'm worried about, you know, the pandemic and the way that it's going to ruin the world. Like, what do those individuals really look like on a very day-to-day level?
0: You know, I'll, I'll speak for myself. How about this? Um, one of the key passages that has helped me during COVID is from God's word where he says, be still and know that I am God. And often, I, I think I always took that as like, be still, like, be like sitting in your house somewhere and sit in a chair, and don't do anything, and I always think, why would you do that? Like, there's great ministry to do. We got to go do other things. There's people that need to hear about the gospel. I can't just be still, but the stillness isn't immobility. It's not being restless. Mm -hmm. It's knowing that God is in control, and when he says be still, I think there's so much of my activity when I don't trust him, when I don't think that God is for me and present in my life, then I have a bit of anxiety, Mm -hmm. restlessness. Uh, It's hard to sleep, when you know God is in control and he's present in your life, there is the ability to say, you know what? I can be still. Like my, my soul is still. My heart is still. My anxieties seem to be stilled. So when news comes from the doctor, when bills come in unexpectedly, you know, hey, there's a stillness. I'm not, I'm not restless here. And I trust that God is present and in control of my life and will always provide for me as
1: a heavenly father. Yeah. I think um, in this season, someone who struggles with knowing that God's in control or um, is tempted not to give their life to that or their ideas or their their mind and heart to that is to read the Gospels because you really, really quickly from page to page, you realize that Jesus is in control. He's healing people. He's moving um, God. You get to see the full definition of how God is in control with the world that he lived in in the first century. And how is he control today? And so if you're you're struggling with anxiety or um, you're struggling with uh, these issues that Thomas is talking about, get to the Gospels. Hear from the red letters of Jesus himself, specifically to you, about what's going on in the world and what he can do in the world.
0: Yeah, because you're getting around what I would see as God's faithfulness, mm-hmm. is that God is faithful to accomplish all that he has promised that he would. And I think that's why I appreciate what, what Pastor Tom did on Sunday was he went all the way back and said, okay, look at what he said to Joshua. And then Joshua had to trust God that he was going to do all the things that he promised him and then got to see God fulfill his promises, bringing him into the land. And then let's look into the Psalms with David. He, he knew him as his good shepherd. Okay, so God was faithful again. Look at Isaiah. Look at Jeremiah. God was faithful again. Look at what Jesus said. He was faithful again. And It's his historical faithfulness in the past, that's why I'm in his word, that gives me the confidence to trust him for his faithful presence and control for the future. If he has done all the things that he said he would have done, those have been accomplished, well, God, surely I can trust him for tomorrow. I can trust him for today.
1: He's worthy of that. That's totally true, man. And then we see Paul doing that. We see him get this vision from Jesus and then stays in Corinth for a year and a half. Doing the great work of building a church. And next week we're gonna learn a little bit about I think Corinth and like how messy it gets sometimes too, right?
0: Well, we're gonna step into Ephesus next okay. week. And things do get pretty messy in Ephesus. Riots
1: break out. It's pretty wild. Okay, so we actually let's go back then then in Corinth, what do we hear from first Corinthians and second Corinthians about what Corinth looks like? What is it is to become as a church, what do they struggle with? And if you look through these two books of the Bible, you see that even though Paul spent a year and a half, these people are messy. That there's um, a place for them to uh, really just get off center of what Jesus wanted to do and accomplish in that church. And so, if you want to read just a great uh, understanding of a first in, uh, of Corinth, go to First and Second Corinthians. Spend some time there this week, and you really get a flavor of what Paul is dealing with from week to week from day to day, as he serves and sees Corinth develop into a church, and churches.
0: Yeah, and they have an early um, problem with divisions. Like, they're trying to align themselves with certain leaders. Right. I love Paul, I love Apollos, I'm with Cephas. Um, and Paul has to just remind them, no, it's it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're all for Christ. Everyone else um, is just simply a minister of that gospel. And it's, you know, it's why we're praying here at Calvary uh, during this season, for unity of the church. Right. We've been so thankful that Calvary has been in existence for over 131 years without a single division, only multiplication, only launching new churches, new campuses. And that's what we're praying for in the future. There's so many ways that we could be divided right now and that the world wants to divide us. But if we remember that it it is Christ-centered unity that keeps us together, it's the fact that we believe in Christ, that we love Christ, that keeps us together,
1: that will help the church. Yeah. So that's another really good application for us today is that If you're a faithful follower of Jesus, you attend Calvary, we're asking for your prayers in this season, specifically one of those prayers being unity. Um, We know that this season is so divisive nationally, internationally, and so we're asking just a working of Christ himself to keep us unified as a church in a very tumultuous season. Okay, Thomas, it's been great to hang out with you, my friend. Always good to be with you, Jay. Hey, welcome back. I'm so glad you're back, man. You look so rested. I'm just... <laughs> hey, Calvary, let me end you with this today from Psalm 104 about God's control, His presence. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty, covering yourself with light as with a garment, stretching out the heavens like a tent. Verse five says, he set the earth on its foundations so that it could never be moved. Just know, my friends, that God is in control. He's sovereign. He's in charge. And that we today, on Tuesday, a week before the election, know that God um, has all things set out in his hands. Go in that spirit. Hey, we love to hear from you since we can't be with you in this season. So if you have a questions about the text, about um, something that you're reading in Acts, reach out to us at thecalvarybible.com. You can go to The Weekly there, or you can email us at theweekly@calvarybible.com. at We get those questions. We'd love to hear from you. Hear what you're wrestling with, uh, wrestling with Jesus with him. Have a great week. Talk to you very soon.